Hi, this is Jake Turner for the Turning Points Podcast. This is where you're going to find the best guest, Charles Davis, analyst for Fox Sports and NFL Network. He's Arifa Sun, uh, AAF writer and Vikings writer for The Athletic, and takes you won't find anywhere else. You're not buying into the uh, Kevin Durant, Patrick Beverly feud? No. I think that's a joke. I think that's about as big of a joke as when Richard Karn hosted Family Feud for that year. Find this podcast and subscribe to it to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's time to get to both sides of the story. This is crazy to me. Because I'm a student of our next guest uh, school here. And the funny thing is, is that we were supposed to talk about a couple weeks ago when he was here in Orlando. The funny thing was, is that we only said two words to each other. It was, hey, Dan. Hey, man. And I made a, a mission to make sure that I got him on my podcast. He is the creator of the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, nationally syndicated radio talk show host. Dan Patrick is on the line with us. And Dan, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, right out the gate, I just want to know, what is it like about being the commissioner of the American Athletic Association of America? Well, it's the American Unathletic Association American. Okay. of America. Let, yeah, let's not kid anybody. There's not any <laughs> athleticism with my guys. But they wanted to do a three-on-three league, and we have four Danettes on the show. Each guy got to draft two of the guys who work behind the scenes, and then they were going to match up with each other, and they were going to play you know, maybe four or five games and then have a championship game and then a loser's game and hand out trophies. And I said, yeah, we got a beautiful basketball court, and I had my knee replaced, so I said, I'll be the commissioner. And so we're two weeks in. So far, nobody's gotten seriously hurt except for some feelings, and uh, it's been fun. <laughs> uh, whose feelings have been hurt? I think all of them at some point. Uh, Seton's the only one who fell and could have really hurt himself, but uh, Paulie and Fritzy are 0 for June. They've yet to score in this month. Uh, McLovin is the probably the best player uh, of all of the players, or certainly one of the top two or three. And, uh, and and Seton's dangerous too, but yeah, they they they're they're good. They're they're fun. We're talking to Dan Patrick, uh, nationally syndicated radio talk show host and creator of the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Right here on Turning Points, we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. Tweet us at at Jake Turner Sport. Um, when did you come up with this basketball league? Well, the Danettes did. They oh they, they did. just kept yeah they just kept talking about do we can we do a league? And I said, okay. And then they said, do you think we could put it on the app and televise it? And I said, oh gosh, I don't want to do that to America. Like, we already <laughs> inflict enough damage on them three hours a day. And then the more I thought about it, the more you could kind of create your own TV network, basketball league, have announcers pre post game. Uh, you know, we have all the cameras in the man cave already. And we brought in a, a broadcasting student from Sacred Heart University, and you know we were ready to go. So it it, it kind of came about quickly. And then I said, "All right, let's get team names, uniforms, have a draft." We televised the draft, and I said, "Let's go all in." And, and I said, "If we're going to do it, we have to do it." And you know, 
go at it and have fun with it. But still, it's going to be a league, and we'll we'll play every Tuesdays. And the Danettes and everybody behind the scenes have embraced it. What has the feedback been on it, on it? Oh, it's it's great because people, I think, like the fact that we would put ourselves out there. It's not quality basketball. It, it's more quantity basketball. But I think they they feel better about their athleticism every game that they see. Is there any uh, students down here that you think uh, could play basketball? Oh, boy. I would have to see. You know, it's one thing to look like an athlete. It's another thing to be an athlete. And sometimes you can see somebody who doesn't look like an athlete, and they turn out to be very good. So I, I would be, I'd be judging books by their covers, and that's not fair. All right, good call there. Uh, speaking about athletes, uh, what would you rather relive? Your interviews with Johnny Bench, or when Jerry West surprised you in L.A. when Al Michaels was on the show? I think anytime Jerry West is on, it's always special. I mean, Johnny Bench was one of the people I looked up to growing up in Cincinnati. And, you know, it's that bizarro world where all of a sudden the guy that you're going to go watch play and win MVPs and World Series and bring you so much joy is somebody you can call a friend. And then here's Jerry West, who my dad many, many, many years ago said, you want to learn how to be a basketball player, watch that guy. And it was Jerry West. And fast forward a few decades later, and he's sitting there next to me on my show and bringing me a 10th anniversary cake. Um, So they're both really special, and, and they've been very special people to me for differing reasons. But, uh, you know, very lucky, very lucky to have been able to cross paths with these people. What is it like uh, going through the radio show uh, five days a week? Um, it's great. It's uh, it's challenging. It's it, I, I, it's cathartic because you you do it every day, and I look forward to tomorrow's show, and then Friday's show, and then Monday's show. Just because there's going to be topics, and you have to be able to come up with what is your take what is who are your guests and you're planning a three-hour live program and that's that's not easy to do but it's a great challenge to do speaking about challenges uh, one of your things that you're very passionate about is when you hear the words i hear why are you so against the two words i hear when it comes to sports journalism nowadays well it's not journalism okay so if you separate it from being called sports journalism, then I'm okay with it. But, you know, there are people who sort of masquerade as journalists, and then they'll tell you that they're hearing something. You know, I, I hear a lot of things. That doesn't mean I get to report on them or that I all of a sudden put it out there as fact. When I say that I'm hearing something, that's all I'm doing. I'm hearing something. And, uh, you know, like when I was at – ESPN, we had to come up with two sources before we could go, uh, you know, go on the air with something. And nowadays, it's it's just not that buttoned up, and and that makes me a little bit nervous because we put out so much rumor and innuendo and, and falsities that it just I get I get concerned that we're too loose with sources. Uh, you know, I'm hearing. You know, that's I just I, I don't want to get into a situation like that where that's the new norm. And, uh, you know, I'm probably 
I'm probably a little too finicky, but you know, I got I got my standards, my principles, and that's why it bothers me. I don't see it as finicky at all because one of the things that when I first met Gus was I told him, I said, I don't want to be a hot take artist. I want to be able to tell both sides of the story. And that's what I've been, you know, stressing to him going forward with, with that. So when I hear that on your show, Dan, uh, that just means a lot to me. So I appreciate that. Uh, what, <laughs> what What's going on in the background there? Uh I don't know. Maybe that's the journalists who are backing the truck over me because, yeah, I'm I'm hearing there's a truck backing up over me right now. <laughs> oh my goodness! He's Dan Patrick, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host. I was at ESPN for years, and also the creator of the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Joining us here on Turning Points, where we go both sides of the story. Um, what are your thoughts on Game Six of the NBA Finals? Be specific with me. You know that right. that's something that we're teaching you, you students. That you know, give me a, give me something a little more specific there than you know just your thoughts because this is another problem that I have sometimes when a journalist or a writer or broadcaster is in a press conference say, "Hey, would you talk about?" And then you know, what does that mean when you talk about? It? And it's not to scold you. This is about you learning. Oh no, how to do this, and that is. Be specific. What are your thoughts on Game Six? Way too, way too loose, way too vague. Because I could say, I think it's going to be uh, a fun game. <laughs> well, that doesn't help you with what you want. And instead of saying, you know, how do, how does Golden State respond after winning a game but losing Kevin Durant, or which team you think emotionally is more ready or less ready to play? Then it's a little more specific. All right, let's try this then. Okay. How can the Raptors rebound from Game 5? Well, I think if they continue to play the way they have throughout the first five games, and they'll be in fine shape, because you got Durant's emotional comeback. He did give you a lift with three threes. You had Clay and Steph, who played really well, and you only lost by one, and you didn't play that well. Uh, at least Kawhi Leonard didn't play that well. You, you're favored in this game. You've won there before, and you're the better team. So I would take advantage of your depth, and I would, I would run the, the Warriors ragged. I would, I would rough up Steph Curry, and uh, I, I would take it to Boogie Cousins, and hopefully you get Kawhi Leonard going off and giving you 30. And so how do the, how do the Warriors be able to take from Game 5 uh, back to Oracle? Well, I think that you're going to have the emotion there in the building and you have to try to use that and almost empower you to be a little bit healthier, uh, more energetic, uh, just better all around as a team and, and, and try to feed off of that and see if you can continue to take you know this momentum and force a game seven. Uh, you know, they have talent, but that talent is, you know, it's a little sparse. Because I don't know what I'm getting out of Draymond Green or Boogie Cousins. I can't count on Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Looney, uh, Bogut, some of those players. Steph and Clay might have to put up 30 each. And then if Draymond happens to do a triple-double, okay. And then you get a couple of baskets from the bench. All right, you got a chance here to win. But it, it might take a little more than that because Toronto is a very good team. People don't want to believe it. 
But as I've said all along with this series, we're missing out on the opportunity to praise Toronto because every day the focus has been on Golden State. And that that to me has been unfair, but that's that's the business where we in that we're in. You want to get people to click, you want hot takes, you want people to get to you know, they'll listen to you, talk about Golden State. Nobody's listening to you reading about if you uh, have comments on Toronto. And it's a shame, but you know, that's the medium that we're in right now. Why do you feel like we are missing out? They have a chance to be the champion. And, you know, when's the last time that the team that's in the finals who loses may be the bigger story, the better story than the team that actually wins the championship? But it's Toronto's not sexy. It's it's Canada. It's Kawhi Leonard who doesn't say anything. Siakam, nobody knows about him. Marcus Saul, cast off from Memphis. Uh you know, Fred Van Vliet, you know, we think it's Fred Van Fleet. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been inconsistent. You got a coach, a coach named Nick Nurse, which sounds like it might be a show on the WB network or something. I don't know. Uh, so I, I just, there's nothing about Toronto that people are going to go, boy, let me put my arms around this. Uh, and that's what it is. Everything is about how do I get people to click on this site or this is a hot take and it's about Golden State instead of praising what Nick Nurse has done and Kawhi's done and Siakam has done and the other players on this team and that basketball community. I mean, that's any place in America, we would be raving about how great the atmosphere is in Toronto. The fact that they have, you know, they show up just to watch the game outside. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable and, this is an entire country of Canada that will share in this championship if they win it. I mean, it's really remarkable because I go back to when you had the Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, you had big country Reeves on that team and <laughs> uh, Steve Francis, I believe. That's a long way, long ways to go. And, you know, here's Toronto. What Vince Carter has meant to that country when he played there and the kids who looked at him and said they wanted to be. Vince Carter, not Wayne Gretzky. I think it's a really it's a it's a great story, but it's a story that probably won't be told for you know years from now. Amazing how it just feels so forgettable at that point. I mean, I I completely agree with you because I really feel like there should be some more uh, attention sent to Toronto. Uh, Dan, as a former basketball player, you have given advice to Ray Allen. Is there anybody in the finals that you would like to give a judgment on their shot? Uh, I could help Draymond Green. Oh, okay. Why yeah. Draymond? Well, he can't shoot anymore. And uh, you know, it's been an issue all season long. But I, I always, you know, I, whenever people talk about shooters, I always, there's a few of them that I go to because I, I say to parents, if you're going to emulate somebody's shot, look at the form, look at the true form of what they're doing, and then see if you can replicate that. And every kid who's playing basketball can think that they can be another Steph Curry. They can't be, but they at least he's allowed you to think that. That's the legend, the legacy of Steph Curry will be 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, we'll be looking back on his impact in the NBA, which as a player, I believe will be more important than Michael Jordan's because Steph allowed you to dream. Michael Jordan didn't allow you to dream. 
he, he allowed you to fantasize from the standpoint of, well, it'd be nice to jump like that, but I can't. Steph, you look and you watch and you go, he's not much bigger than me. Maybe I could do something like that. And that's, you know, when I, I, I look at great shooters, there's something about it's poetic. It did the ball belongs in their hands. And I look at Ray Allen, um, you know, Steph and Clay, you know, two great, great shooters form wise, but there's so many. Um, I'd love to help Lonzo Ball because if you look at Lonzo <laughs> Ball's shot yes. and then you look at Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant starts his shot on the left side of his head and goes to the right side, but he doesn't have that windshield wiper shot that Lonzo does. Lonzo just needs to start it a little bit higher, closer to the left side of his head, not down by his left shoulder. And I think that if you if he would start to emulate Durant's release, then I think that would help him. But I would start with Draymond Green. Dan, great stuff. I understand that uh, you know I got a busy schedule here, but I thank you so much for coming on uh, Turning Points and uh, giving us some great insight on the NBA Finals and uh, pretty much just your your journey as a whole. Thank you so much. Keep plugging away, Jake. You're doing a great job, and uh, can't wait for graduation coming up and sending you out into the real world. I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. That means a lot to hear that from you, so thank you so much. Thank you, Jake. All right, that was Dan Patrick. Wow. Uh, Creator of the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Uh, I mean, the the thing is, is that when you interview somebody like this, you can't be a fanboy. I mean, we know that, you know, he's spent his time at ESPN. He's been at NBC Sports. He's on Bleacher Report Live. You just have to treat him like everybody else. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, this is something funny to me. Uh, He's off the line now. That when I was a child, um, my dad used to work graveyard shift for Northwest Airlines. He would come home at 7.15 in the morning. And we would sit there and he'd be like, all right, Jake, turn it on ESPN. And it'd be SportsCenter right there. Dan Patrick, Keith Oberman. It was our thing. It, and it just means a lot to me. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it does mean a lot to me that, you know, fast forward 26 years later and here I am talking to Dan Patrick. So uh, it was great stuff from him. Now, keep in mind that you can find the rest of our podcast and all my interviews you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and even on our Facebook page, which is Turning Points, both sides of the story. You can uh, check it out there. There's a picture of me there, hands folded, everything like that. So we always have all of them up there. So we'll have the Ray Flores one from Fox Sports 1 on there, and we'll also have Dan Patrick of the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting and his show on there as well this week. You don't want to miss that. All right, coming up, I'm going to give you my final word. On, a, on the Raiders, and what does this mean for their future with hard knocks? Stick around. Turning points tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. You're listening to it right here on iTunes. <laughs>